Awesome. Thank you so much. I was reflecting this morning while going for a walk. The first time I preached ever on a Sunday morning was here at Thrive, back when it was called LCC, Life Christian Centre. Um, and Lynn was senior pastor at the time and gave me a full Sunday morning to speak, and I was 17, the first time I got to preach, which was 19 years ago. Um, and so it's always been a really special thing, this church. It's, it's hard to see God in people, to call that out, to encourage, to nurture, to foster, to give course correction and, and to release. And as a 17-year-old, I started preaching here and I had to preach at home to my mum first, uh, who would check my theology to make sure that it wasn't heresy. And then Lynn would release me on a Sunday morning and I would be like this. And it was a great, great adventure. And speaking today... I think other than that first time when I got to preach for the very first time, I don't know if I've looked forward to a time preaching as, as much as I've looked forward to today. Um, it has been nearly two years since I've been back in here on a Sunday morning uh, when we got prayed out and released into our new ministry and we had KFC and all of those things and, and it was good and it was fun and it was so exciting and what an adventure over the last two years. So if you don't know me, because I'm looking around today, walking up and down, there's like so many new faces, so many potential new friends. Uh, Richard, Fru, I still haven't come around to your house for lunch yet after church on Sunday. I've only been asking for like 19 years. <laughs> Sooner or later, it's bound to happen. Law of probability. Um, so I'm Jared, and I, I lead Fantau Studios, which, as Lynn was saying, is a uh, basically we're a team of media missionaries, and we make television shows about the radical, supernatural love of God at work. And I think at the moment we're broadcasting our shows into about 20 different countries, which is exciting. But when you're a Christian, you don't say country, you say nations, because that's just a bit of buzzword. Um, Hey, you don't, you don't ever say that you're tired. You say, I'm just learning to rest in the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was on staff here for about 10 years and having a lot of fun. Get my good angle. There it is. How you doing, camera? <laughs> click, click, click. If you want to get a good one, you have to take a lot. Uh, <laughs> I behave. Um, <laughs> So we, we left Thrive about two years ago. God said, Jared, I want you to go launch a media ministry. And, and I said, God, it's a bit of a spicy time. We've just come out of our first lockdown and we're going into a global pandemic, which would probably have a global recession following it. This is an annoying time for you to ask me to step out of uh, paid employment and live a financial faith lifestyle and then begin to build a team of other people on this journey when there's less money going around. Um, and God sort of replies to me, we're like, well, I'm not really interested in your glory, Jared. I'm quite interested in mine. So this will make for a better story, but it'll be my story, not yours. And so I've, uh, have you ever find that when God, when you want God to talk to you, it's like 
and you've got all your different agendas of what you hope he's saying, it's, it's hard to surrender and filter through all the flesh to hear him. But when he wants to tell you something, mm-hmm, it is on, like so clear. The amount of times, if I had a dollar for every time I woke up in the morning with God saying something that he needed me to know that I was not asking, I probably wouldn't have to do finance support raising anymore. <laughs> And uh, so Lynn alluded to the fact that we're, we're saying yes to another level of adventure with Jesus. And for those who uh, watch our shows on TV and follow us on social media, since we launched this ministry, our, our team has kept growing. Uh, we actually have Liam Chesham and Liam Fitzpatrick um, from Thrive on our team as well, which is exciting. So it's cool having a bunch of Thrivers um, at the studio most days, and we've been training them in color correction and post-audio production. Uh, it's really exciting if you're into those geeky things. Um, I just want it to look good and sound amazing. Um, and so they're being trained up in that. There's nine of us that are on our staff team between 20 to 40 hours a week each. And the team just keeps growing and God's been doing really cool things. And so our our next thing that we're saying yes to uh, as a family is that we believe that God is calling us to go plant another studio over in the States. And so Rihanna and I will personally be pioneering that um, over in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where they make all the Marvel movies and everything like that. And I've been looking at the weather and talking to some friends over there, and they keep telling me that it's in the low 40 degrees Celsius most days at the moment. It's one of the hottest parts of America, which just sounds absolutely disgusting. Um, Like, why, Jesus, why? Um, Do you not know that my wife is from Southland? (laughs) What is this mystical orb in the sky that does shine upon me? And so we're going over there and and we're going to be planting a new team there. And part of the vision that God has been unraveling is that I believe that he's calling Fantail Studios to be a studio planting movement. And so we are launching uh, step by step a supernatural film school because what God's really put on my heart is to train filmmakers, not just how to be able to be great storytellers and great artistry in their crafts, but how do you create content whilst being led by the Holy Spirit? How do you have the Holy Spirit download vision and strategy to you that looks like the opposite of what the world would say makes common sense? And then how do you build your faith to pursue that in God, to be able to create content that is God designed and anointed so it's got the power to change lives. And one of the things that God has put on my heart is, and it sounds a little bit ridiculous when you say it, but I want to be reaching through media a billion people every year across all the language groups and cultures on the planet. And so I know that to do that, there's, there's no shortcuts. We've just got to make disciples, you know. And so what I do is I make I make TV shows about how awesome Jesus is. You know, the Bible talks about take the message, write it down, make it plain so a messenger can run with it. I believe that one of the callings that God has begun to make clear to me on my life is that I'm the person that runs. I am the one who gets the message, it's made plain, and then my job is to run with it. I, I, am, I am the most glorified middleman that there is. Like, that is my job. I am the middleman, I am the go-between, I am the courier of who takes what God has got and runs it to the people that need it. 
And so God has begun to uh, reveal this strategy of not only how to build a school, but then how to disciple the graduates so they can plant their own studios in their own languages within their own cultures. Not so that they would have a Fantau branding um, at all, I don't care what they're called, but so that they would have the DNA of heaven to be able to be messengers, to be couriers of God's word. And it's really exciting. So as part of that, on the 12th of July, if you, if you like praying, I'd love to have your prayer support. If you don't like praying, then read your Bible. Um, <laughs> just a thought. Um, so, honestly, sometimes praying is really boring, but um, I like things that work, and prayer works. And so sometimes it's exciting, sometimes it's powerful, sometimes it's boring, but it's effective, and I like whatever gets the job done, and prayer seems to do a better job than anything else I've found yet. So if you want to be praying, I'm actually heading off to America on the 12th of July. I'm doing a five-week media and ministry tour. God's been opening up a whole lot of doors um, over there, so I'm doing five weeks. I think it's seven different states over five weeks, connecting with people, getting ready for us as a family to go over and begin to launch the ministry over there. And then on the 17th of August, I fly from New York to Kenya, and I'll be filming a documentary in Kenya for two weeks and then coming home. So the longest I've ever been away from Rowena and the kids is 17 days. And this is going to be nearly seven and a half weeks, and it's just sort of how it's worked out. And I cannot exaggerate more how just calm and steady my wife actually is. Whenever I say, well, honey, I have this opportunity, and I think that Jesus is in it, and it's not the way that I would choose to do it, but I feel like there's some good God moments here. She just goes, wow. That sounds like such a fun time for you. <laughs> Always so understated. And as I've been looking back over the last two years of what God has been doing and, and how quickly he's just been escalating and growing things and what we're stepping into next, it, on paper it looks really exciting, and it is. In the middle of the ink, nine times out of ten, it just feels scary. You know, and, and so I don't want to, as I bring a word today, I, I don't want to present something like following Jesus is this like great excitement after excitement, glory to glory. The reality is, if you watch any great film, Lord of the Rings is probably the ultimate example of like the grandest adventure. 98% of it is just scary. 98% of it is just raging against our humanistic thinking. And, and as we're living in this world, but not being of this world, we have this loving Father who, in my opinion, has the worst strategies. Like the worst. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, that is your plan? Why? I, I have so many reasons why we could do this differently. And as I pursue God and I see Him do miracle after miracle, I have yet, I think, to see Him do the miracle the way that I thought that it would happen. <laughs> I have a list on my phone called Miracles Pending, where I have created multiple opportunities to give God the assistance, and I do it, I write Miracle Pending, and I put it there, and I just wait for it to happen. This is, they don't happen. I'm yet to have one of it happen the way that it should happen on my phone, the way I've thought, oh my God, I'm pretty prophetic. I have the mind of Christ. You should, 
let me come talk to me and I'll give you my mind to Christ and Jesus and I, Father, will tell you how it should happen. So as I bring a word today, I, I want you to know that it's coming from a place of really the last couple years of adventure, of seeing God's faithfulness, seeing His miracles, seeing His provision, seeing Him reveal layers upon layers of insecurities that I did not know was there, deliverance I didn't know that I needed, counseling that I didn't want to pay for, you know, all of these things, you know, conversations with Rowena that she didn't want to listen to, <laughs> ridiculous times up in the morning praying because not because I felt spiritual because I wanted to pray, but because I was too scared to sleep, you know, all of those things. And the word that I want to bring this morning is that He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. And if all you get from today is another fraction of a revelation that our Father is trustworthy, then I have done my job this morning. Um, a wee while ago, maybe six, eight weeks ago, I came here and I had a word on my heart that I felt was a prophetic word for the church that I shared at a Team Thrive night for the leaders and the volunteers of the house. And Glenn asked me to come in and the moment that he called me on the phone, I had a picture of this big rock and a sword sticking out of it, and it was the sword and the stone. Who knows the story of the sword and the stone with, you know, Arthur and Excalibur, you know, he pulls out the sword, the only, whoa, that was a big chunk of spit, where was the camera? Oh my gosh, you missed your moment. You know, and I saw this picture, and I felt like God was saying to thrive, I want you to draw your swords. I want you to draw your swords as, as Arthur, who was the most unlikely contender to be the person that could actually draw the sword from the stone, was the most unlikely. But as he did it, he drew this sword that then endowed him with power to rule and to reign, to vanquish enemies. Church, I want you to draw the sword that I have for you. And I felt like it was a word for the church as a whole. And then for individuals and families that God has got prophetic callings for you corporately and families as in, and individuals that he wants you to take a hold of and to draw it and wield it like a sword. That this is what God, his grace has empowered me to do. Because I have received the word of God wrapped in his word, wrapped in the prophetic call over my life because I have this by default I know that I will have the grace, which is the empowerment to achieve what He has called me to do. Because God doesn't give us an instruction or an order or a word without giving us the grace to see it come to pass. And it's not like when He says, you know, this is going to be a hundred step journey. He doesn't give us a hundred steps worth of grace in one go. He gives us the grace for today. So you go, man, I'm holding this sword and I've got mountains to conquer. Don't worry about the mountains. Just look at the very next step with the knowledge that I have the grace to win, to conquer with Christ in my very next challenge. When God spoke to me a while ago about this ministry that he wanted me to launch, I reckon it was God's grace um, because it was in the middle of the night and I'm not overly intelligent in the middle of the night. And I had this dream. He said, I want you to do this. 
the first thought that came to my mind pretty much was, God, what is the first thing you want me to do? And so as we look at our lives and the calling that God has for us, and I'm bringing this word with the assumption that there is a level of understanding that you know that God has given you a calling and a purpose. If you don't know what that is, then I really encourage you, begin to seek God for a revelation. God, what are you asking from me in this season? You know, that God says he, he richly rewards the hearts of those who earnestly seek Him. As we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And so begin to do that. And if you're struggling to get specific personal revelation for you, open up the Bible, begin to read it. There's heaps of blanket statements that apply directly to you now. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Strength soul. Love your neighbors if you love yourself. Cast out demons, heal some sick, preach the gospel. You know, there's a whole lot of things that you can pick from. Just pick one of them and go with it. So I want to I want to read up, I want to read a couple passages of scripture today, and then I want to do a little bit of teaching, and then we'll do some prayer, and then we'll have a sausage sizzle. Or as Lynn, who wants to be Sean Connery, sausage sizzle. <laughs> Lynn Frew, <laughs> license to let young preachers preach. <laughs> I'm 36. People keep picking me for my mid-40s now. I don't know what's happened. Something has gone on. <laughs> shaved my beard off the other day because I was like, I'm shaving my beard off. Every time I shave my beard off, I look like I'm 18. Hadn't shaved my beard off for years. Shaved it off, and I was like, good golly, grow that back. There are, that has been hiding a lot of wrinkles. <laughs> All right. For those who've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. I'm going to read this passage out, and then we're going to jump down into Luke. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Let's have some encouragement this morning. (laughs) That classic saying, don't cast pearls before swines. The other passage we're going to look at right now is Luke 10. I'm going to come back to this. Don't throw things before wild dogs and pigs because they could turn and destroy you. Okay, we're going to come back to this. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you. I love this, like lambs among wolves. I'd just be like, why? If I was there right then at that point, and there's 72 of us, and Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do. Send you out two by twos like lambs among wolves. My response would be, why? Why are you doing it that way? Why can you not send me out like a lion among sheep? You, you are the creator of the universe. You, you have the power to do this any way that you want to. Send me out like Samson. Send me out like Elijah. 
Send me out like David. Send me out like Elisha. Send me out like any of the champions of old. Why, why, king of the universe, do you choose to send me out like lambs among wolves? Could it be that your strategies are stupid? <laughs> Father is my friend and he gives me permission to have a sense of humor. <laughs> but it gets better. So we're standing there, let's be honest. If you are there right now, you're thinking, this is a stitch up. I should have followed someone else. I'm going to send you out like lambs among wolves. Cool, bro. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Don't take any provision, any extra footwear, any money. Don't do anything that would logically make this more achievable. Cool. And don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. I would like to be paid more. <laughs> than just food and water. Do not move around from house to house. Lord, what if they're a bad cook? <laughs> I want to look at two things here, okay? Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. God likes to send people like lambs among wolves. And his plan is don't take any provision. Have you ever wondered if this father of ours is actually trustworthy? I know I've been joking around with the word of God, but I have wrestled with this. Yeah. Are you, are you really trustworthy, Father? Because I joke that your strategies seem ridiculous, but let's be honest, they seem ridiculous. No matter how I cut this, with my logical mind, I struggle at a heart level to see that you are trustworthy. Why, why would you send me? Why would you send them? Like lambs among wolves, when you're a good father. When Jesus says the shepherd, he says, I, I am the good shepherd. The sheep hear my voice, and I call them by name. Come to me. Oh, what do you want, Jesus? I want to send you out to some wolves. <laughs> but... <laughs> And then we go through things because God gives us a promise. And we go, yes, he's given me a promise. And Jared says that with this promise comes the grace to see it done. And then I step out and I do it. And I begin to experience the opposite of what I thought that promise would offer me. And we give ourselves a couple scenarios of choice here. 
One, I heard wrong. Two, I heard right and I did it wrong. Or three, maybe God isn't trustworthy. And then the scariest one of all, maybe, is four, maybe I just have to keep going. I want to talk about these dogs, these pigs that we shouldn't give our sacred things to. Uh, uh, um, these pearls before swines, because if you do, they might turn on you and tear you to pieces. I'm not sure about what the dogs or the pigs are in your world. And I know in context, in that passage, Jesus is actually speaking about people and people's antichrist agendas. But I want to speak into some of those agendas that Jesus is referring to, I believe, on a deeper level. Some of the humanistic or spiritual natures that we battle against. See, for me, the dog on the left is logic. And the pigs on the right are fear and doubt. And when God speaks to me and gives me a revelation, that moment that I receive a remor word from God, it is like a fireworks party going off in my spirit. Everything comes alive. And I'm just like, oh, yes. God has spoken, it has resonated in my heart, it lines up with the word of God. It confirm some prophetic words that have been going on. The leaders around me are saying, yes, this is Jesus. Everything is all systems go. Faith is deposited in me. And in that moment, I step out because I believe that when we get the word of God, there's faith to move. And so I move. And then, then I enter the in-between. The in-between, and I'm speaking from my experience at the moment because I don't want to project any of my insecurities into your life, but if, if, if my journey and my insecurities relate to you, then there might be some nuggets that you can take from this. I enter the in-between of what God said He will do here to when He actually does it here. And part of the issue is when He actually does it here, it doesn't look anything like what I thought it was going to look like when I was over here. So not only is there the gap, the in-between, the season of testing or refining or pruning, but when I actually get there, I'm like, oh, this isn't what I had been expecting. That's not always the case, but it is often the case. And as I go on this journey, when God begins to speak to me, I have these thoughts and doubts come around me because I know His ways are higher than my ways. And so then these thoughts begin to rise around me. Do I want to trust His ways? Do I want to trust His process? Do I want to trust His pruning? Is He trustworthy or is it a stitch up? Am I going to be like lambs among wolves? And so what happens is, as I'm in this gap and I'm in the in-between, firstly, Holy Spirit is still with me in the in-between. I might be in the between between the word and the arrival or the fulfillment, but I'm not in a void. 
So I have Holy Spirit with me. Father's with me. Jesus is with me. He's in the in-between with me. But His presence is not the only spirit present. My, f- my insecurities are present. My flesh, which no longer lives, but has been crucified somehow like a zombie, still seems to hang around me. I don't understand the theology around that, but man, gosh, that zombie can follow me everywhere. And there's the demonic presence, the agendas of the unseen world. And logic is like this wild dog that if I present God's promises or my circumstances to logic, logic will turn on me. Like it will turn on me. When I look at our finances sometimes at Fantel and I can see that I need multiple miracles to be able to complete the shows that we've started or to be able to keep staff employed. And then I look at logic. There is no faith to be found in logic. There is no encouragement for me to find in logic. There is no uh, extended vision to find in logic. When Gideon had an army of like 10,000 men and he was going to go fight the Midianites and God kept making his army smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until he's got 300 men. If in that moment he looked to logic, going, I'm going to go fight an army as numerous as the sands of the sea with an army of 300 people, logic would have torn him to pieces. So the first thing I want us to, to explore and to note down as we explore the trustworthiness of God. Nothing will accuse how trustworthy He is faster than logic. Logic is humanistic thinking at its finest. Logic is the enemy of wisdom. The righteous fear of the Lord, the reverence of Him is the birthplace of wisdom. The total reverence, awe, wonder, and fear of the God of the universe is the birthplace of wisdom. Logic tries to fit that person into a box. Logic is the enemy of wisdom. Then on the other side, we've got the pigs. God says, don't don't cast the pearl. What is the pearl? The pearl represents the kingdom of heaven. It, It represents the promises of God, the gift of salvation, the call on his life. He's saying, don't take the call of God on your life and give it to the pigs because they'll turn on you and tear you to pieces. For me, that's fear and doubt, which in my life looks like this. Did he really say? I find myself in the middle, in the in-between, and like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, I find the devil coming around me constantly and saying, did he really say? Well, they may have been the words, but did you get the inflection right? Was that really his agenda? Or, 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 Or is he actually trying to send you like a lamb among the wolves? Because you can look at that text and go, man, what sort of father would send a lamb among the wolves? That's insane. And on one half, that's true. But on the other half, we have this realization that the shepherd didn't leave the lambs. It's not the lamb's job to defend themselves against the wolves. 
It's not the lamb's job to protect themselves against the wolf. It's not the lamb's job to try and look big, strong, or courageous in front of the wolves. It is the lamb's job to know that if I stay close to my shepherd, the wolves won't come near me. So God goes, I'm going to send you like lambs out among the wolves. Why would you do that? Well, because... I don't want you to have to try to defend yourself because that's not your responsibility. That's not a burden I want you to carry. I'll carry that. God, why don't you tell me to go out and be, be like a lion and this and that in this context? Because I don't want you to have to carry that responsibility. I will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. You can just be a sheep. Well, if I'm a sheep, what's my responsibility? Hear my voice calling your name. Just hear my voice calling you my name. What is that? Jared, you, your responsibility is intimacy. Your responsibility is to listen to me, to be drawing close to me. Provision and finances, that's not yours. How you transport the ministry, don't even take sandals, that's not yours. God, where will we stay? That strategy is not your responsibility. God, how will we house the ministry as a growth? That's not your responsibility. God, how will I feed the ministry? That's not your responsibility. You're just a sheep. You don't have to worry about all of those things. They are all the shepherd's responsibilities. So it is the sheep that stays close to the shepherd, in my opinion, that through trust, faith, and experience, learn that He is trustworthy. I love this. The 72 sheep among the wolves who returned. 72, 72 sheep went out like lambs among the wolves with no strategy of where to stay, how to finance their mission, even enough changes of clothes to stay clean. The stupidestly planned missions trip you'll find. So you know we're taking up a team right now who want to go to Cambodia today. Um, there's no finances for it. You're not allowed to bring any clothing. And we don't know if you're going by boat, plane, or bicycle. Um, but if you sign up now, you'll be like lambs among wolves. Who's keen? <laughs> Isn't it amazing what Jesus considered simple obedience we now look at as radical faith? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? What looks like simple obedience in Jesus' day now looks like radical faith to ours. Have you heard those stories of people go, God called me somewhere, so I went to the airport, and then someone came up to me, and they gave me money, and got this ticket, went to this place, didn't know why, and then I got shipwrecked, and then I preached to these people. We're like, oh my God, this person's a superhero. Jesus was like, well, he was just one of my 72 lambs I sent among the wolves. We go, what's the difference between simple obedience then and radical faith now? Trust. It's trust. 72 people trusted Jesus. We, we love to camp in our logic, those wild dogs of humanism, 
I need a strategy. I need resources. I need planning. And I'm not against all of those principles because there's principles in the kingdom of heaven. But when they set themselves up above trust, they become idols. Sometimes I wonder how much more adventure Jesus and I would have together if I asked less questions, required less assurance, less detail, and I just heard his voice more. If I just went, none of that is my responsibility. My job is to hear his voice. Luke 10, 17, verse 20, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons, the wolves, submit to us in your name. They went out feeling like sheep. They don't sound like sheep now. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan. Can you imagine the excitement of Jesus? I'm going to send you out like lambs among the wolves. Just trust me. Then he said, I saw Satan like lightning falling from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. I'd be like this. Why didn't you give me this speech at the start? Why would you not do that first? I am purely speculating here. Could it be that Jesus gave them that authority because trust created the access point for them to receive it? Could it be that he did it this way by design? Jesus says, I love this because Jesus loves to keep the big picture. However, however, don't rejoice that the Spirit submitted to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. My Father has you. What I want to do is I want to invite us because I feel like Holy Spirit is inviting us. I feel like there's this building on from that word that I brought to thrive, draw your sword. And the extension of that word, I would say now, would be draw your sword and trust me. Trust me. Trust me to do my responsibility well. Trust me to be a good shepherd. Trust me to hold you in the journey. Trust me to be with you when you can't see me. If you feel like a lamb among the wolves, trust me that I am the shepherd that is with you. Trust me. Lean into me and hear me calling your name. And if you need to, this is what I do practically. God, what am I responsible for in this season? Just show me. I don't want a vacuum. Just give me something to believe, to think about, or to do. God, what must I do 
If you're doing 99.999% of it, great. Just show me what is my job. Give me clarity and vision on that so I can do that with all of my heart for you. Show me, Lord, what's my responsibility? If it's to simply hear your name and to hear you calling mine, then that's what I'll do.